Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Well, the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Well, what are these fruit? Uh, Why does the Bible talk about it? Why does the Bible talk about them? What are they and what should we be doing with them and how do we cultivate them? Well, I want to tell you a story first. It goes way, way back, right back nearly 60 years, back into the middle 60s when I was a young guy growing up at Banyo High School in my senior year. And the lads passed around the class a test called the purity test. Now, it wasn't, didn't come from the teachers. It wasn't passed to the girls. It was just around the boys. And the purity test was not designed to see how pure you were. The purity test was exactly the opposite. It was designed to demonstrate how impure you were. And the way it worked was this. You got the test and you were arbitrarily assigned 100 points. And then as you went through and you ticked or crossed off the things, you would take off a certain number of points if you had done this stuff. So if you'd smoked a cigarette, you might be taking off five points. If you'd uh, got drunk, you might be taking off seven points. Uh, If you'd done something bad with a girl... You might be taking off 10 points. If you'd, taken, if you'd gone very, very a long way with a girl, you might be taking off 20 points. And the idea you know, was to get yourself down as low as possible. Uh, zero points was the optimum. And the guys that were getting right down there, well, they were the cool guys. <clears throat> and so, of course, I didn't want to be a goody two-shoes. I, wanted to, I took the test. But as I read through the test, I was starting to sweat a little bit because I was a Sunday school sort of kid. I wasn't getting, I could not see anything much that I could take off. And, and the shame of getting there and still having a hundred would be, oh gosh, you wouldn't want to be there. And finally, finally I breathed a sigh of relief because there was a question worth about six or seven points that I could actually say, yes, I've done this. And I used to, the, the, the background is I used to sell eggs. We had a lot of chooks in our backyard. My father built a big chook house. It had about 50 to 100 chooks in it. And so I was getting dozens and dozens of eggs every day. And it was my little business to sell these eggs to people in the community. And across the road was a widow. And that widow had three attractive daughters. They were a little bit older than I was, not very much. They went to my school. Uh, And I would sell the eggs to the widow lady. And one day I took my dozen eggs over and I knocked on the door and there was nobody home except one of the girls. I went in with my eggs. I said, hello. I put the eggs on the kitchen table. She gave me the money. I went out the door. She closed the door. But I had been in a house with a girl of the opposite sex by myself that wasn't a relative. I could tick it off. 
I was think I was 93 out of 100. I wasn't completely pure. I could hold my head up high. You see, <laughs> this was the 60s. Uh, this was the time when society was starting to throw off this mantle of moral security, embrace the brave new world, have the birth control pill, practice free love, look at all those newborn hippie chicks running around with next to nothing on. This was the world in which I was coming of age. Yet at the very same time, I was going to church. I was going to Northgate Methodist Church. And, and the Methodists were a holiness church. And the spirit of God, as you know, is the spirit of holiness. And so every week they would be getting me to sing hymns very much like this one, this one and others. And this one says, breathe on me, breath of God, until my heart is pure, until my will is one with yours to do and to enjoy. You see, there was this tug of war going on, this tug of war on me that was pulling me from one way to the other, trying to mould me, trying to say, take claims on what I was going to be. It was a tug of war for my lifestyle, for my character, for every part of me. And, and that tug of war keeps on going. It, it doesn't stop. Uh, even though I've been a Christian now for a long time, the tug of war is still there. And I felt it just recently. Helen and I were on a cruise boat, and it was really nice. We were cruising around New Zealand, nice place. And on the cruise boat, they have a centre stage, and there are all these shows that they have on the centre stage. And... Uh, they, they do have dancers and singers, they show movies, they have magicians, uh, had comedians and all of those sorts of things. And on this one particular night, they said, there is a comedian going to be on at seven o'clock on the centre stage. So we made sure we'd had our dinner and we went to the comedian and the comedian we had just got on the boat. They must have flown him out from somewhere, I don't know, he got on at Dunedin or someplace like that. And he was an Australian guy. And he was funny. There's no doubt about it that he was funny. But as the, the show went on, little by little, but more and more, he got cruder and dirtier. And the jokes were sort of like I'd heard in 1964 at the back of the dunny with the guys, you know? And, and I was thinking, should I really be here? Should I, as a minister of the gospel, be here? Should I just sit here and snigger? Or should I be some prude who put my nose in the air and walked out? And so even though I'm a long way down the track from the 1960s, I still felt the tug of war upon me. It's still there. Now, let me go back to our major verse again. The verse, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that verse is embedded in a bigger passage. It, it's embedded in Galatians 5, 22 to 20, to, to 20 oh, sorry, uh, Galatians 5, 16 to 26. Galatia is basically part of modern-day Turkey, and Paul had gone preaching there. And so Paul in this passage says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you shall not desire or gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, 
and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Flesh is the sinful nature, and I thought I'd had the translation that had sinful nature in flesh in it, but if I move between flesh and sinful nature, you'll know what I mean. Flesh is just the old word that Paul uses. Uh, we've tr we normally put it in, into sinful nature. They are in conflict one another, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discourse, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, and drunkenness, and orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and, and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against these things there is no law. So those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. And, and I'm going to suggest to you that unless your Mother Teresa or Billy Graham or somebody like that, and I suspect that even they would feel, feel the tug of war, you will feel a tug of war. There's a battle going on between the dark side and the spirit side. And the battle rages, it's wild, it's a full-on street brawl, and one side wants to give absolutely no quarter to the other. And you might say to me, are you kidding? Is it that stark? Yes, it absolutely is. Now, let me give you an illustration. <clears throat> I want you to imagine that over here <clears throat> I have the acts of the flesh. And I'm going to represent them. I've got some Drano here. <laughs> okay. And I've got a second bit of Drano just in case you missed it. But also, <clears throat> the evil one, he wants you to drink the equivalent of spiritual Drano. But you're smart. You know that Drano is going to kill you. You don't want to go down that track. So you say, oh, I'm not going to eat the Drano. So the evil one, then what he does is he puts some chocolates all around it. Okay. And he says, okay, there's some chocolates. They look pretty good. So you don't see the Drano. You're seeing the chocolates. And, and so if he does it right, and of course I can't do it right, You've got these chocolates completely going all over the Drano. So the evil one is not saying to you, oh, here, I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of Drano to give you. It's going to make you die. It's going to say, no, I've got chocolate-flavoured Drano. It's going to be lovely. You're not going to die. You're just going to have a really good time. And, you know, we fall for that sort of thing. We really, we really do. And so what are the acts of the, of the sinful nature, the acts of the flesh? Well, there are, they can be classified. There are, there are the regular acts of sexual depravity. You know, we know that the Bible stands against those. The acts of immorality, of impurity, of debauchery. 
Now, they're the sort of things that the culture is saying, that's a really good, good thing. But there is also acts of religious perversity, of religious apostasy. That's when we want to, you know, to flip with the, with the dark side a little bit. They, according to the Bible there, there is witchcraft and idolatry. You might think we don't do all that much of that today in Australia, but there will be some cultures in which that is huge. And just the other day, Helen and I were down at South Bank and we had dinner at South, oh, our lunch at South Bank and I looked across at a, at a woman, two women sitting at the next table and I saw that they'd been to some sort of New Age festival. And on the desk, on the table... where she was eating, this woman had quite a fat volume. Your horoscope, 2023. So you don't want to be a complete secularist, but you want to dabble with the spiritual. You don't want to dabble with the living God, but you do want to dabble with the spiritual. Or there are acts of social corruption. There are acts of hatred, discord, jealousy, rage, dissensions, factions, envy. Sounds like the internet, doesn't it? Sounds like getting on Twitter. Sounds like putting yourself out there. Or it sounds like your favourite political party behind the scenes. That's the way they go. Uh, Or there are acts of personal dissipation. There are acts of drunkenness. There are acts of orgies. Uh, Getting drunk in Australia, that's that's a way of life. You know, people say, I was so wasted. And I'm supposed to think, yeah, that's good. No, you're stupid. But, but that's what these, this, Paul is saying. People don't think they're stupid because we see, you know, the nice side. And, of course, then he adds, and the like. I mean, there's a million things. He doesn't want to go through a catalogue 5,000 miles long. He doesn't want the Galatians to think, oh, well, I've, I, can, I can tick off on the purity test. I haven't done all of those, but I've done all these other things. So... Paul says, you know what I mean. You know what getting on the dark side is. And the evil one is always trying to conceal the dark side. You know, he will say to the adulterer, for instance, you go ahead, you enjoy yourself, you have a little bit of pleasure, you deserve some pleasure, you deserve a lot of sex, you're just one of those sort of guys. But he doesn't tell you that you lose your wife, you lose your marriage, you lose your family, you lose your finances, your grandchildren don't see their kids very much, the kids get disrupted in their lives, the kids are then brought up by stepchildren, the kids are messed up with their schooling. He just conceals all of that because that's down the track. That's where he wants you to live. That's concealing it with this stuff. And the evil one has been doing it forever. On the other hand, the Bible says there is another way to live. It's over here. Now, I was thinking to myself, if I was our senior pastor, Jason Ellsmore, he's very good at this sort of stuff, he would have had a whole fruit van come in here. Uh, I, I am not as rich as Jason is. I can't afford a whole fruit van. Okay? But I, I would have had some more, but Helen kept stealing them for breakfast. That's absolutely true. She did pinch one of my bananas. Uh, but... This is the fruit, and the Bible wants us to go down the fruit path. Haven't got as many as I would like, but I I hope I've got enough. If this wretched pineapple will stand up for me. (laughs) 
So there they are. And the fruit, you know, just like you can have citrus fruit or you can have tropical fruit or you can have berries or all sorts of different fruits, you can classify the fruits of the Spirit too because you can have love and joy and peace. And they're fruits that act sort of Godward. They're the, they're the things that when they well into my heart, they help me connect with God. But I've also got the other ones that are patience and kindness and goodness. And, and that's, my, that's the fruit that I demonstrate and you demonstrate when you are connecting with your fellow men and women. It, it's when we come in together uh, and we react in certain ways to other people. And then there's other fruit the fruit of faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, that they're the fruits within myself. That's, that's the fruit where I've got mastery over myself, where I can say no to things. You know, that, that's making me personally a strong person. And the Bible is saying there is this tug of war that's going on between this side and this side, and it's constant. And I want to give you a bit of an illustration there. Uh, I've got a, a particularly good actor who is going to be the dark side. Is there a man who could play the dark side? Would you give Steve Stathos a thing? He wants to, he wa- hang on, hang on. He wants to pull me over to the dark side and he wants to keep me there. He, he's the man with the chocolates, you see. He, he's the one who who is holding out the... Ch- he even eaten one now, too. That wasn't, that wasn't in the... Yes, that wasn't in the script either, was it? Okay, so now I'm trying to pull him over, but he's a, he's a wiry guy, and he, and, and he keeps pulling me. And, and as much as I want to go over here, Steve is grabbing me, and he's pulling me over, and I'm, I'm into the Drano before I know it. Okay. No, get me behind me, Satan. Okay, give Steve a stand. Thanks. Have to give me a moment here. I have no idea where I'm up to with my notes. (laughs) Okay. You see, we feel that tug of war on us. It's with us all the time. Just, Just the other day... Last week, coming to church last Sunday, I was walking down Elizabeth Street and I saw a young woman coming the other way with a group of other young women. She would have been about 15 or 16. And on her T-shirt, she had this. She had, I tried to be good, but I was bored. You see the subtext? You know, I tried to be over here, but being over here... It's like eating rabbit food, you know? It's boring. I'd rather eat a Big Mac. I'd rather be down there getting in the calories. Uh, And and the subtext is that this is really where the fun is. I want to live my life here because I want to enjoy myself and I want to have fun. I want to have a good time. Uh, So, well, she was about 16. we do all sorts of dumb, crazy things when we're 16, and I just hope she will actually grow out of it. Uh, but the point is, we try to be on the side of the angels if we're God's people. But the evil one is always taking us down to this area where it's giving us the Drano, and it's all surrounded by chocolates. 
And this tug of war is not new. As you know, it's in the Bible. Paul is warning people in Turkey 2,000 years ago not to go down that path. I experienced it as a young 17-year-old in the middle of the 1960s. I was just emerging in. But today, we experience it again. And I suspect the pressures today are possibly even greater than they were when I was growing up because today the culture endorses it. The culture says there's a lot of action down there and it's really good for you and it's fun and all the stuff you heard at church is wrong and it's boring, but if you live down there, that's great and that is good. And you see, the culture endorses it, the movies proclaim it, the TV host shows talk about it, the government even funds it and legislates for it. And the big business often gives money towards it. But that's not the way we are to live. And the absolute core, if you want to know what the absolute core of the idea is, <clears throat> the absolute core is God doesn't appear in anything. Life is all about you. <clears throat> you be you. Your desires, your pleasures are important. Don't restrain them in any way. Just give yourself over to what makes you feel good. Eat as many chocolates at the time and we will conceal the fact that the Drano might get you tomorrow, but it may get you next week. <clears throat> and if we're really careful, we can get you next year or five years down the track. That's what the Drano is doing. <clears throat> well, how do we exhibit? How do we actually do this? How do we cultivate these fruits? How do we bring these fruits out in our lives? Well, the Bible gives us in this passage three ways. I love it when, when actually the answer is within the passage itself. And I could give you a number of ways to do it. But Paul gives people in this passage three ways to do it. And the first thing is he says, heed the warning. And I'm giving you the warning this morning from the apostle. And I'm not just asking you to think about it. I'm asking you to heed it. This is what he says. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that's not an isolated warning. You can read any part of the Bible and you'll find that sort of warning. But you might be saying, yikes! I mean, that's a bit heavy. That's a bit scary. I don't like people putting scare tactics on me. I don't people like people giving me ugly warnings like that. That just is not very nice. Well, let me tell you that it is heavy. And it is scary, but it's also very loving because the issue is very serious. Let me give you an example. <clears throat> if I have little grandchildren, as I do, and I say to them one day, because I've been taken over there <clears throat> and I've um, uh, been given their charge and got to feed them their dinner, if I say to them, <clears throat> if you don't eat your peas and your broccoli <clears throat> and your carrot, then when I put you to bed tonight, the boogeyman is going to come and he's going to get you and he's going to take you out the window and he's going to take you to his cave and he's going to eat you. Well, if I do that, that is absolutely appalling. I mean, it's just despicable. <clears throat> but if they're living on a busy main road right, with big trucks coming back and forth down the road, if I do not say to them, 
Do not go out on the footpath. Do not play on the road because you see that big truck. It's going to come and do you serious damage. If I do not do that, well, I am appalling. Okay? So it really depends on what the warning is all about. Now, a couple of uh, years ago, Helen and I went up to Cooktown. Now, Cooktown, as you know, is named after Captain Cook, and he, he careened his boat there because he got it hold on the reef 250 years ago. <clears throat> and you can walk down where the river was, and there's a walkway, <clears throat> and there's a whole pile of rocks, and people fish off the rocks and do all that sort of stuff. And what, what happened was, Helen and I are walking along there, <clears throat> And we noticed three kids I'm in, in that. I, can, is that, that one coming up? Um, no, not that one. But back a bit. Okay, that one. <clears throat> right? You can see two kids there. There's a third one who's in the water. <laughs> uh, and there's all of these, these signs around the place. I mean, right next to them, there's this sign. You know, crocodiles, don't go in. Now... <clears throat> I'm one of those guys. I thank the Cooktown councils. I'm, I'm not a local. I don't know where the crocs are. The, the people up there tell me that wherever you get barramundi, <clears throat> that's where you get the crocodiles. So the crocodiles like to come and they like to eat the barramundi. And these kids are there. And one of them's pulling on a wetsuit. He's, the, he's about he's older. He's about 20, 21. These two are about 15 or 16. And the older one gets his wetsuit on. He puts his, his spear gun there and he dives in looking for the barra. And I'm going like this, you know. And I said to the kids, well, what's going on? Don't you, what about the signs, are there? What about the crocodile? Ah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, they were very blasé. <clears throat> we're locals. We understand this sort of stuff. Crocodiles, who, who cares? You know, we know that we know the water. And I'm thinking, wow. So I, I um, about a minute or so later, a lady of about 60, she rolls up and... Uh, I said, you know, what about these signs? What, what do you think about these kids? She said, yeah. She said, I said, are you nervous about that? She said, yeah, I am actually. I said, she said, that, 20, that one, he's 21, and the one who went in, he's my grandson. I said, are you worried? She said, yeah, I'm worried. But, um, you know, the stupid kids. I just hope they're still alive. But I heed the warning, and that's what the Bible is actually saying. Now, the next uh, thing gives you that some people, they like to just play on the wild side. <clears throat> They like to look like they're having fun. Can we have the next slide, please? And this, you see this lady here. Uh, she, she really just wanted to play on the wild side but not actually be on the wild side. And that's okay. You can do that with fake crocodiles. But the Bible is saying that sin is not fake. And sin, sin will pull you down the gurgler and it will just whack you and hurt you. And so God puts up a massive warning side and it says... This stuff, Drano, is ab spiritual Drano, is absolutely poisonous. It will lead to death. Don't be fooled by this. It will get you and it will kill you. And so it's a matter of, you get the, the point that you just don't want to be there. So you stay away from those lifestyles. Your heart doesn't want to be there. Your spirit wells up within you and you see past, you see past the chocolates and you see to the Drano. And so they're not really an occasion for laughing or smirking or joking, but they're really, it's really an issue that which we have pain and, and sadness. You see, we, we, we would call out, how long, O oh Lord? 
How long? How long are we going to have our culture go down this stupid, destructive path? Revive our nation by your spirit. Revive your church by your spirit. Revive me by your spirit. So that's the first thing. The first thing is to heed the warning that such things are not conducive of the kingdom of God. If you're a kingdom of God person, you do not go there under any circumstances. I mean, you might slip back, but you don't want to slip back, and you race back over here as fast as you can, and you ask for God's forgiveness. Well, the next thing Paul says is to crucify the sinful nature. And you notice the word crucified. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and its desires. You see, there is a sinful nature. It's the raging hormones. I want to go that way. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you will have crucified it. You will be crucifying it almost on a daily basis. And where does he get the word from? Obviously, he gets it from Jesus, the one who was crucified. Christ said during his ministry in Luke 9, he said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up their cross, and daily follow me. It's a lifestyle choice. It's something you are doing, according to St. Luke, on a daily basis. You're cooperating with the Spirit. You're wrestling and getting away from this nature, and you realise it can be trying to sneak up with you. Crucifying the nature just simply means that you're aware of your failings, you're aware of your vulnerabilities, and you are working every day on moving from there over to exhibit these fruits. And the more you get over here, the less you'll want to be over there. We can't just simply say, this is who I am. You'll hear this today. People will want to live over here, and they say, I can't help it. This is who I am. I was just like this. It's it's like, you know, you can imagine the adulterer illustration before. The adulterer says, oh, well, you know, I've got to be over here. I mean, I know I made a commitment to my wife, but, but I like lots of women, and I like lots of sex. One woman is just not enough for me. I've got, to have, I've got to have plenty, and I don't really care. That's just who I am. And they don't tell you, of course, that this poisons you. They don't tell you about the damage. I can't just say, look, I'm, I'm an angry sort of guy. You know, I, I, I do my block, but so what? I'm just, I just bully people and that's just who I am. We, we just cannot say that uh, if, you're a, if you're a member of the kingdom of God. We've got to say, no, that whole lifestyle is wrong. That's the point. You see, I am born a sinner. All of us are born a sinner. We each have different vulnerabilities. I mean, for me, I'm, I don't run around going after orgies. It's just not me. I was brought up in a Methodist church, so I'm not, I'm not somebody who gets drunk. One woman is certainly enough for me, well and truly. (laughs) But I could easily, as I read the list and I think about uh, things like bad temper, selfish ambition, fits of envy, I know sometimes they well up in my heart and sometimes they've expressed themselves. So I just can't say say to the Lord, oh, look, it's just the way you've made me. It's all right. Lord says, of course, you're a sinner. And that's why Jesus came, to save you from your sins and to pull you from that side over onto that side. But it's so difficult today, isn't it? It's so different because the mantra of today, our mantra is, you be you. 
Do it yourself. Live your life. It's up to you. Forget your commitments if they don't feel good to you. Be who you'd like to be. Just do it. Friends, that is not not the sort of worthiness of the kingdom of God. So while it's not easy, there's good news. In fact, there is very, very good news. And Paul says next, he says, walk in step with the Spirit. Listen to his next words. This is his third point. The first one is heed the warning. Second one is crucify the sinful nature, put it to death. The third one is walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You see, what we are looking for, what you are looking for, what I am looking for is character transformation. We long for the Spirit of God and the, and the fruit of the Spirit of God to daily work out in our lives. And so much it becomes our passion. We want to long for it. We want to hunger for it. We want to be there naturally rather than to be there naturally. So that when the chips are down, when, when the default problem comes, is we react in this fashion. We react with love. We react with gentleness. We react with joy. And when, we, when we get stuck and pressured, we've got that love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and, and gentleness and self-control. And the really great thing is <clears throat> we have a helper. Jesus gives us a helper to do it. You are not on your own. You have a helper, an assistant, an advocate, a guide, a counsellor. And in this verse, Paul gives us a mini summary of the Christian experience. Say, you are a believer. You're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You confess him as your master and your king. You trust that by his death on the cross and only by his death on the cross you have salvation. How did that decision happen? Well, unless it happened when you were a tiny little child and God called you to himself and you you brought up in a Christian family and some people I've met them are like this. They, They just don't remember any point in decision because they've always known the love of God. But And that happens. But for many of us, for most of us, certainly was for me, certainly was for Helen, we remember a point of decision. We remember when we were challenged. It might have been at a church like this one, where Andrew says, come forward and give your life to Jesus. It might have been in a mountaintop experience. It might have been in a youth camp. It might have been by yourself in the quietness of your own home and your own room. But you can remember kneeling down and giving your life to Christ. And that was a decisive life-changing decision that you remember. But you didn't, what you didn't know at the time was in an astonishing way, while you were making that decision and while you were thinking that you was all about you, it was really God by his Holy Spirit pouring his Spirit into your life and waking you up from your deep sleep and quickening you is the old version, bringing, making you alive when you are as dead as a corpse. And it's God working upon you, and you were thinking that it was all about you. God was working with you. See, Jesus talked about the absolute necessity of being born again, born from above, born by God's Spirit, born in a new way. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and of the Spirit. This is the entry into a new life. But just before he was about to die, Jesus gathered his disciples round him and he told him he was going away. 
And they were very, very upset that he was going away. But he said, don't be afraid. He said, I'm going to send someone else. It'll be better for you if I go away and I send this other person. He said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Then he said, I get a little bit a few verses later, but the counsellor, the spirit of truth, who the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of what I have said to you. Jesus is not here in person, but we are not alone. His Holy Spirit leads us, guides us, teaches us, corrects us, and brings forth in us the fruit of the character that God wants that we are incapable of doing just by ourselves. It's the Spirit of God who helps us to heed the warning, who helps us to crucify the fresh flesh and brings forth those character transformations. <clears throat> Let me give you an illustration about that. <clears throat> Steve, can I grab you up again, please, to play your part? <clears throat> now, <clears throat> the next thing was a little bit difficult because I was thinking to myself, I need somebody else who would be project the power and wisdom and godliness and strength of the Holy Spirit. And I thought, who could I possibly get? And Sandra Ely said, yes, I know. I know somebody like that. Just like that. Rob Ely, could you come and join us, please? <laughs> okay. Now, we've got this devious person down here with his chocolates. And we've got Rob up here. And now, when we've got Rob pulling, Rob, can you just pull this, this evil guy over here? Keep, keep coming. <coughs> okay. Thank you. <coughs> now, that's good. But that's not exactly the biblical picture. Right? There's something wrong with that picture. Can you go back there a minute, Rob? <clears throat> you see, I can't just stand there and just put my thing and just sort of watch Rob do his thing. It's nice. I was cheering. I knew what this guy was like, and I was happy to have Rob, but I can't just sit back there because, you see, the Bible's picture, just wait with me there for a second. The Bible's picture is the fact, and Paul gives it in another context. Uh, I do these things like, yes. Uh, it's in another context, but the, but the picture is exactly the same. You see, I must wrestle, but I can't wrestle by myself and win. I wrestle with the power of the Holy Spirit who is wrestling with me. And Paul says this, another context, he says, to this end I labour, struggling with his energy which so powerfully works within me. Note, to this end, I labour, struggling, I'm wrestling with the power, his energy, his energy that so powerfully works within me. So what is happening really is that it's Rob and, uh, and I who are now pulling. I've got to pull, but Rob pulls. And together, this wicked psychiatrist, <laughs> we're, we're going to pull him over here. He cannot get us, you see. So we win. Thank you very much. Will you thank these brilliant actors? <clears throat>
See, this is why the text says, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The, The idea is the keeping in step is like the fact that the Spirit is walking, you know, steadfastly in this direction, and I've got to be walking in step with him. As he walks, I walk. As I walk, he walks. And we are walking together, and together that is welling up and building up those fruit within me. Now, sometimes I had a friend the other day who told me that the Holy Spirit came upon him and he just sort of felt like the electricity running all over him. And I've heard of that. I've heard people say that, and I'm not denying it for a second. But for many of us, what you find when the Spirit of God works in your life to bring forth these character traits, these virtues, these graces within us, what actually happens basically is that you just suddenly find yourself longing and wanting to be over this side. You did want to be over there. But as the Spirit of God works within you, you suddenly find it's like you're waking up one morning and it just doesn't taste good anymore. You realise actually that it is Drano. You realise how shallow this sort of stuff is. And you suddenly start to understand that this is where real life is. This is where the virtue is. You see people who exhibit these characteristics and suddenly they stop becoming some sort of nerd or goody-two-shoes. You suddenly realise the value of who they are. They're people who keep their commitments. They're people who master themselves. They're people who repay kindness for other things. And the sort of feeling that I was thinking about, just sort of what it felt like. When when we were younger, our family, 25, 30 years ago, we had paper runs in Wollongong. Uh, The kids had paper runs. Helen and I used to run run around and deliver parts of the papers to drop off, but all the kids went and did their paper runs. And there were quite a number of papers and they'd always give us a number left over. So we could easily have 10 papers left over after the, after the paper runs. And the bottom of each paper, there was a little clip-out coupon on the front of the paper. You remember those coupons? And the coupons would say, buy one Big Mac, get one free. <clears throat> so every week, we would, at least once a week, we would get probably about at least seven of these, seven of us in the family, we'd get seven of these coupons and we'd go down to McDonald's and we'd bring back at least 14 Big Macs, sometimes more. <laughs> and I would eat about, I'd certainly eat two Big Macs. You should have seen the pictures of me back then. I was sort of bloated out here a little bit. <clears throat> and, and my oldest son, uh, Tom, he would actually have a Big Mac and then would put one in the freezer and freeze it for his next day at work. It was just horrendous to me. But we do crazy things. <clears throat> now I've got heart stents, right? I'm on blood thinners. I shouldn't be eating saturated fats. The thought of eating one Big Mac, let alone two every week, is, you know, is just nauseating to me. And then if you mention the word Whopper with their 12 grams of saturated fat, I mean, I just get the feeling I'm going to have a cardiac arrest just even saying it. But the point I'm trying to make is that what one time was a wonderful thing, 
and an enjoyable thing, for me anyway, because I can't eat them anymore, you know, is now a nauseating thing. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't eat a Big Mac. I mean, if you really crave a Big Mac and you're young and you haven't got heart stents, you go for it. <laughs> Live it up for a while. Remember, it's chocolate-coated. <laughs> well, when the Spirit of God works in our life, the acts of the sinful nature become more and more nauseating. And the, and the fruit of the Spirit is what we love, what we long for, what we yearn for, what we desire in our life. That's where we want to be. <clears throat> now, you might be wondering what I did about the comedian. Well, <clears throat> I must confess, I got more and more uncomfortable. It uh, was just sordid. And I wondered whether I should get up and leave. <clears throat> and that looked a bit pretentious. Should I get up? <clears throat> should I walk out? Uh, but I just felt uncomfortable. And I looked over at Helen, who was sitting next to me, and she said something like, shall we go? And I said, okay. And so we got up and we walked out. And the interesting thing was that as we were going out, I could see all around the, <coughs> this, the, uh, the auditorium there, other people were getting up in quite significant numbers, <coughs> and they were walking out as well. You see, you need the Holy Spirit to prompt you to be moving over to this side. And it certainly ha helps when the Holy Spirit works through a godly wife as well. <clears throat> I want to finish in two ways because I suspect if you are anything like me, <clears throat> you will be in a tug of war. <clears throat> you'll want to live on this side. Maybe you're living on this side, but you'll be being tempted back in all sorts of ways over there. <clears throat> so I'm going to lead us in a confession and if you would like to say that confession with me, please do. I really would love you to do that. <clears throat> and afterwards, uh, the Bible always gives us a declaration of forgiveness. And there's a wonderful scripture that I will read to you. And then I'm going to invite you to pray with me another song, another hymn. So if that could, uh, confession could come up on the screen, please. <clears throat> I will invite you, if you would like, as I lead, if you would join in with me. But also you will notice it's not just a confession of sin, it's also asking God to cultivate within us the fruit of the Spirit. Shall we pray? Most merciful God, we humbly admit that we need your help. We confess that we have wandered from your way. We have done wrong and we have failed to do what is right. You alone can save us. Have mercy upon us. Wipe out our sins and teach us to forgive others. Bring forth in us the fruit of the Spirit that we may live as disciples of Christ. This we ask in the name of Jesus, our Saviour. Amen. We have confessed our sins. <clears throat> now we rest on the promises of God. 1 John says this, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Well, I want to return back to that very first hymn. It's got three verses, and I just want to pray it again as a prayer. It's going to come up on the screen, and I'll ask you to pray with me. <clears throat> but this will be our concluding prayer. Breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me with life anew, that I might love the way you love and do what you would do. Breathe on me, breath of God, until my heart is pure, until my will is one with yours, 
and do and to endure. Breathe on me, breath of God, so I shall never die, but live with you the perfect life for all eternity. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.